When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the main edition of the Talking City podcast. We're here on Monday. We're discussing the transfer window, discussing the absolutely exemplary Oscar Bob, and we're discussing uh, the Fulham result at the weekend. And that's it. It's the international break now. City have had a fantastic start to the season. A fantastic transfer window, in my opinion, as well. And I'm joined by your Manchester City writer, Joe Bray. Joe, how are you doing, mate? Not too bad, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm all right now because it's the start of the international break. Ask me at the weekend when there's nothing to do with City, nothing to write about, then I might be a bit different. Yeah, that is the issue. It is the issue. It's the content, isn't it? The stimulus is a bit of an issue when there's just... But we were joking outside, weren't we? We were saying that every City player will be on international duty. So maybe the unusual... Still got, still got some sort of... <laughs> yeah. yeah, which City players aren't on international duty will be the interesting read, but... Yeah, uh, let's get straight into it, mate. Um, so we're going to leave the Fulham chat uh, to Act Two. So make sure you stick around for that one, everybody. But we're going to—I want—I want sort of an overview, really, and discuss the transfer window that's that's just been. Um, obviously, the main incomings: Jeremy Doku, um, Matteo Kovacic, Guardiol, and Matthias Nunes. Matthias Nunes been the latest addition. Overall, how are you feeling about the makeup of the squad at the minute? Are you sort of satisfied with it, or do you think more needed to be done, or? It's a weird one, isn't it? Because yeah. you, in an ideal world, you don't lose Gundogan, you don't lose Mares, you keep Amo Laporte around the squad. But City have replaced all those players like for like and they look like all good signings. It's just, do they need a bit of time to get sort of up to speed? And the injury to Kevin De Bruyne complicates things a bit, but that might have allowed City to get in Mateus Nunes, for example. And it's, I think it will need a bit of time to see if it is a successful window or not. But, I mean, the early signs of, of those players that they brought in do look quite good. We've seen Gradiol. He looks like he's only going to get better. Kovacic has slotted in like he's been playing for Pep Guardiola for five, ten years. Um, Doku looks OK when he came on and got a good review from uh, Lillo in the, in the dugout. So, yeah, I think it's, it's good. I think just the fact that they've lost so many players. Cole Palmer's gone as well, which was sort of a controversial one, if you like, in the, in the fan base. It's not a perfect window, I don't think, but to say you've replaced four key players in key positions and you've done a net spend of about 50 million, that's pretty good. Hmm. Are you surprised that, obviously, Tommy Doyle, um, Cole Palmer, as we mentioned, McAtee as well. I mean, me and Si were talking about on the previous pod, it was almost like, watch this space, because I think Pep was almost saying, and then the noise from City was they wanted to keep them. Yeah. But, I don't know, it always felt to me that there would have been movement there. And um, Cole Palmer's an interesting one because I'm like you, Joe, like I've seen a bit of a mixed bag online. I think it's incredible business. Like, what was it? 42 million. Yeah. For a player who, yes, he'll feature. Scott's some important goals. Excellent for, um, obviously, the, for England in the, in, in the summer months as well. 
overall, it's got to be good business. I mean, I think every other football fan would turn around objectively and say, that's a lot of money for someone who's barely played, really, for Man City. So, yeah, I think that's, not, I think that's a decent move, to be honest. It depends how you look at it, because you've got a player who's not playing, he's not going to play that much because you've just signed Jeremy Doku, and you're getting 40 million for him. That's good business. But because you know the potential that he's got, we've seen him come through the academy, the type of goals he scores, we know he's not shown that as much for the first team. That's a reason to sell, but it's also a reason to want to keep him and see see how it goes and see what he can do if given the chance. So I think that's why fans are disappointed because we won't see him live up to his obvious potential in a City shirt. So why not then? Why did that happen, do you think? Why did City... It's tricky because when you're in his position, the only games he's getting are cup games where he's got to really... Uh, make an impression in a team that's probably quite different to what he'd normally play in or he's coming off the bench when a game's won and a team's just given up attacking and they're just putting men behind the ball when he came on he didn't often change a game because there wasn't a game to change so I felt like every time he came on I was thinking right go on this is your chance and he just wouldn't take a man on he'd stop and he'd play back maybe doing what Guardiola was asking him to do but he didn't get those goals and assists and when he actually sort of got off the lead a bit after the, the league was won, he got a couple of starts. He looked really good. But then he, you know, he goes back to it this season and Mahrez has gone, but Doku's arrived and uh, Kyle Walker's playing on the wing and Bernardo and he's, he's just not going to get those chances. So I can see why he would look at the situation and think, I'm not getting games, I'm going to go. I want to play somewhere else, especially when they sign Doku because he scores that goal in the Super Cup and basically says to the manager, if you sign someone to replace De Bruyne or to replace Mahrez... I'm gone. And Guardiola turns around and said, well, kind of go on then because he said he's not going to go out on loan. It'll only be permanent. You can understand it from City's point of view, from Palmer's point of view. And 40 million, like you say, is very good. But then you think, why has he gone to Chelsea? I was thinking that, yeah. Because it's exactly the same. An abundance of wingers. He's not got an easier route to the first team. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. The only thing I would say about Chelsea is he got on really well with Raheem Sterling when he was at City. I remember speaking to him, I think he scored a really good goal in the derby against United and uh, the under-21s. And we spoke to him and he said, yeah, Sterling told him he was going to score a, a wonder goal. And Sterling was always the first one to say, how did he get on in, in the sort of EDS and push him along and welcome him into the first team. So if, he can, if he's looking at that thinking, that's the best football I played for City with the help of Sterling, he knows the likes of Colwell and Madueke and people like that from the, the England setup could help him. But I think he's now got to go and prove himself and show that he is good enough for Chelsea and show that City were wrong to accept that fee for him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Mares wise very similar profile. Because obviously we know Doku's come in, yeah. but completely different. Doku reminds me a lot of Sterling in terms of the profile, how quick he is off the turn, sharp, incisive in those moments, but a lot of his game is built on pace, isn't it? Whereas Palmer did replicate a bit of those Mares attributes. That's why I thought maybe there's going to be a little bit of a pathway in for him this season if he keeps plugging away. And there's probably an argument to say he'd maybe have got more minutes in comparison to what he will do at Chelsea, really. Possibly, and like you say, with Mares leaving, that does open up a, a space on that right wing. I think he would argue that right wing isn't necessarily his best position. He was always best possibly on the left mm. coming inside and or in the centre and sort of roaming around and he's just not going to get that game at game time at City. So if he's not if he if he wants to play games now, 
his best option is to leave. So it's, it is a tricky one. I think it's going to be one that, again, like the transfer window, will only show if it's a good move or not for all parties to see how, how it happens in a year or two time. Because if Palmer goes and smashes it at Chelsea, then they'll be very happy that they've got an England under-21 international who's clearly got a lot of talent for 40 million. I think Chelsea are happy with that fee as well. So it's it's just a... I just didn't expect it. I think that's yeah. that's part of the reason why City fans are also a little bit unsure about it because it's sort of come out of the blue. They finally see him. He scored in the Community Shield. He scored in the Super Cup. And now suddenly he's gone. And it's sort of one of their own. He's come through the academy. He's been in the away end with them, with the fans when he's not been playing. And now he's just gone. And it's it's a shame, but it will be very interesting to see how he does and uh, if he proves City wrong. So Taylor Howard, Bellis, Tommy Doyle, um, James McAtee, would any of that surprise you at all? Uh, Doyle and Howard Bellis, no, because they weren't involved in in the uh, pre-season they weren't involved in any of the squads in sort of not even in the pictures we've seen of first team training so it seems like they were always lined up for a move away the surprise is that no one's bought them I mean you look at Tommy Doyle and what he's done not only for Sheffield United but Cardiff before that he's a very capable championship top level championship midfielder he's now got his chance in the Premier League but I would have thought someone would have taken that chance earlier and I mean for Wolves to get alone with an option to buy for five million that's very good value for a player like Tommy Doyle and you know we've seen sort of the, the equivalent is someone like Romeo Lavia who went for 10 million and, and now he's a 60 million player Wolves can probably make a lot of money on Doyle if he if he continues what he's been doing uh, last year and everyone looked at McAtee as the the big star of that Sheffield United team Doyle was just as good if not better so I think I think that's going to be probably one of the better signings of the summer to get Tommy Doyle for, for Wolves, especially if Wolves have just lost Mateus Nunes and Howard Bellis, he's gone on loan, top end of the championship again and it'll be a bit like Burnley last year, they expect to get promoted and he's a European championship winning for the under-21s captain and he's won the championship with Burnley. Why no one wanted to pay 15 million for him, again, with the, the sell-on values that you see for these City players? That's a bit of a surprise. Um, and then McAtee's backed himself again, second year running. City wanted to keep him and he said, no, let me go out and prove myself. And he's managed to convince City that Sheffield United are the right club again. So, I mean, when we went to Sheffield United the other week, he was welcomed back as a hero. And uh, that, I don't know whether that changed his mind, but he'll, he'll have got that message from the fans to be like, we want you back. And uh, he'll get games there and they look good against City. They look good against Everton. And that'll be another player who's earned his step up into the Premier League they're only going to make money on them as well aren't they if you think, if you think it's like Taylor Howard Bellis for an example has played top end with Burnley and obviously he's been loaned out to Southampton again but it's like there's a likelihood they're going to be top two again so City is a win-win isn't it because the valuation on him is just going to increase and the sell-on clauses yeah um, so moving on to incomings we've spoken a little, about, a little bit about Jeremy Doku very exciting um, bums off seat sort of thing um, as I say similar to similar to Sterling in a lot of ways. Uh, it's an exciting one, that one. I think it's because there's, there's Guardiola-esque players, but he feels a little bit out of that mould, doesn't he? And he's an unknown, I think. We've, I don't think anyone at the start of the summer was saying, go out and sign Jeremy Doku. But then you, you look at him and you look at his clips and his statistics that he carries the ball forward and he makes a lot of chances. And I think 
Yeah, I think you, you called it earlier that it's going to be a bit more like the Sterling-style winger. City have settled on Bernardo as a right winger in the big games for that control. And I feel like Kovacic will add the control in the middle and Alvarez and Foden look like they're going to be playing more in the centre. So Bernardo makes sense as a right winger who can come inside, Walker can provide that width. In other games, Doku looks like he can be a different option. And that's always something that I think Guardiola likes, having not just players who are like for like replacements for each other, but can offer something different. And it's interesting that at the weekend, Grealish was injured. He's picked up an injury. And I think Doku started on the right, I believe, and changed to the left or the other way around. But that clearly shows he can play on both sides. Um, that's also good for Grealish because, yes, Grealish can play a lot of games in a season and keep that left-wing position. But he also needs time to rest. And if City are going to be aiming for the treble, the quadruple this season. They're going to need all the players and you can't rely on Grealish to play 70 games and you can't rely on Bernardo to do the same and Foden will need to play on both wings. So having just that other option in, in Doku could be quite a good signing. Yes, that versatility with a lot of the new signings as well, isn't it? It's like Kovacic can play at six, can play at the eight. Gvardiol, left back, left centre back. Um, Nunes can play anywhere in the midfield, can play on the left or the right, you know, eight, six, whatever. Um, and Doku, if you can play on the left and the right, again, it's it's definitely a tick box for Pep, isn't it? It's like, if you're isolated to just one position, he's either going to develop you as a player or he's just not going to be interested, it feels. You need to have so many so many different you know parts to you, don't you? But um, Nunes, interesting one. The latest edition, we've been speaking off air and I think we were a little bit... It's one of those where you didn't really expect it, probably similar to Cole Palmer in terms of outgoings, but you didn't really expect it. But I guess his you know, Pep loved him after they played sport in Lisbon, didn't he? Absolutely loved him, said he's one of the best midfielders. Um, he'd seen, paraphrasing there, of course, but it was very impressed by him. Yeah. Um, maybe he's going to ease the load on Rodri in terms of energy in that midfield. Maybe if Kovacic can drop back at some points, and that's what you were just speaking about with regards to Grealish, wasn't it, in terms of just giving some of these main players rest? Yeah. Um, Nunes and Gavardiol as, as a two, are you, are you happy with, with those additions? Do you think they'll progress under Pep? I think Gavardiol will. Um, not to say Nunes won't, but I think what we've seen from Gavardiol, because he's played a couple of times, I know fans are quite excited about what they've seen. I've not been fully convinced yet, but the fact that he's just done okay, out of position, he said he's not played left-back for three years. The fact that he's done that and he's stepping forward into midfield and looking to make those right passes is encouraging. And uh, I mean, Nathan Ake came back at the weekend and Gavardio was on the bench, but I get the feeling when it clicks for him, it can work. And I mean, City signed him and said he's a player for the next 10 years. So if it doesn't quite work this year, they're not going to give up. He's going to be a player and we, you can see the quality there already. This is it. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a long-term signing and already looks to be fitting in and you can see the signs of the sort of the training groundwork and I mean when Guardiola returns that's just going to help him even more isn't it and uh, yeah Nunes is one where I, I don't know whether De Bruyne's injury sort of pushed that midfield signing or they just looked at looked at the midfields I know last year they drew at Newcastle and then Guardiola said no we need another defender and everyone said no you don't because you've got enough and then Akanji comes in and transforms that defence and maybe you can have that sort of effect where no one's expecting it it's not the most exciting signing but you can actually come in and make a real impact and just by making other players raise the game and, and shifting them round a bit and like say yeah Rodri can't play 
all the minutes that he did last season. Guardiola said that we know how important Rodri is, but if there's not a good enough backup to Rodri, Guardiola's going to keep playing him and clearly Calvin Phillips hasn't done that yet and he might do, he might not, but they want another midfielder in there. Kovacic can play deeper if he needs to. They can play a sort of a double pivot, but yeah, it just gives them a few more options. I think Nunes is going to be one where, I don't want to keep saying it, but it's going to be, we're going to know if it's a good signing later down the line. We can't say now because we don't really know. It was interesting that Lillo, when, when asked about Nunes, said of that game at against Sporting in 2022. He said what they liked about him was the way that he didn't give up. He guided his team through, they were losing 5-0, but he was like the best player on the pitch and kept on going and it was the attitude more than his sort of technical ability. So maybe, I mean, if City need that in cup games, I'm thinking last year they lost to Southampton, the sort of second string, and there was no leader on that pitch. Is, is he going to be someone like that? maybe those are the games where Rodri isn't playing De Bruyne isn't playing you need someone to, to step up like that maybe, maybe that's why they've signed him I don't feel they get anything wrong either I think gen- genuinely the past however many transfer windows I think the only one who hasn't paid dividends so far is Calvin yeah. Phillips this is it yeah and the Akanji example is another one where you kind of got to trust City at the moment and there was a an interesting quote from Cheeky Bagiristan after the Champions League draw and he said um, we are signing these players because we need to refresh the team and keep people on their toes basically and it was so obviously they're going to sign players because they're good players but it's sort of that acceptance that you need to keep keep things fresh and if players leave you need to keep the competition and keep the players who are here at the top level and I mean City are making they're not keeping it secret that they want to go and retain the Premier League the Champions League add to the Carabao Cup and win the Club World Cup as well so they're going to need a full squad to do that so maybe they've looked at it in the last couple of days of the transfer window the last week or so and thought yeah we need need another body in that midfield How important do you think it was keeping hold of Carl Walker and Bernardo in this summer transfer window it's pretty imperative wasn't it I think I think that's as important as uh, as signing the replacements for the players who've left because Walker is one of the captains and especially in De Bruyne's absence he is the captain now and he's the highest sort of ranked player in that captaincy group and yes he was going to leave and he, he spoke to reporters after the Fulham game and gave sort of 15 minutes of his time which is unheard of in, in a mix zone and I don't think I've ever seen Kyle Walker walk through the mix zone at City so he clearly had something he wanted to say and he said yeah listen I had an offer from Bayern and it came down to who gave, who gave more, more years on the contract but he always wanted to stay at City because they can offer something that no one else does which is going for all these titles and when you, I think he said when you win the treble in that manner then why would you want to leave? So I don't think he wanted to leave because he wanted to leave City but he's what, 32, 33 now and he wanted just to, to have as, as many years left on his, on his contracts as, as possible. So you can understand that, but I think he, he's going to be really important in that defence. And we were saying when, when, he was gonna, when we thought he was going to join Bayern Munich, he offers something on that right side that no one else does, doesn't he? He's, he's got that pace and this season he's shown it by popping up on the right wing quite a lot and helping that, that formation. And he can, he can go into a back three if needed. He can be a right winger. He's even started to invert into midfield, which he wasn't doing in the, in sort of the days when Jao Cancelo was, was leading the way in that regard. So I think he's as important as any other signing. And likewise, Bernardo, you can't replace Bernardo. He's... He does something that, again, 
no one else can do in that squad. He can play on the right wing, he can play in the centre. He went in sort of defensive midfield against Fulham towards the end. He was at left-back last season. He knows Guardiola's system inside out and doesn't need to be told where to be or what to do. So, yeah, keeping hold of them too. I think they'd have been bigger losses than Gundogan or Mahrez, for example. I think those two are almost irreplaceable. Yeah. I think the profiles... Bernardo's so unique. Yeah. I think when, when we saw him last season pop up at left back at the Emirates yeah. in like the most ridiculous, like you think of yourself, this is do or die, City obviously behind points wise and the catching out and then you see him pop up at left back, then central midfield, then left wing, then right wing and, and then I think he was playing false nine at points in that game as well. So that profile is so unique, isn't it? Um, it's almost like free roaming Messi role. And then on top of that, you've got Kyle Walker who a lot of people always forget, it's like, yeah, he can play right wing. Everyone talks about his athleticism, his physicality, his pace. I know that builds into it, but he's a tremendous defender as well. Yeah. Like he's a one, he's an unbelievable one v one defender. And like he, as you just said, he can play in a back three, he can play centre back, right right wing, right back. He can almost do everything. So I think those two profiles are huge. Whereas Gundogan was a, obviously a bit of a goal scoring machine, but he, I think you can get box to box midfielders pretty much anywhere and that's not dimming down what Gundogan does because it's very unique but as with Mares, we were just talking earlier about Cole Palmer being a very similar profile if, you, if he built, built, built got more experience it could have been a similar sort of player but you just feel with Walker and Bernardo there's no similar players than whatever whatsoever I think it's, it'd be really difficult to replace that wouldn't it? I think with Walker as well he's got better as a footballer under Guardiola so he's he was just a very good right back and we knew that but now he's he's doing the inverting he's doing like you say he's a very very good defender and wingers don't bother attacking him because they know they're not going to win and uh, he's popping up in attack now which he never normally did and he's uh, he's one way he's got better with age and City don't normally give out contracts more than a year to players over 30 they didn't do that for Gundogan before it was too late and everyone was crying out and saying give Gundogan as, as many years as he wants because he carried City over the line in, in the Premier League last year but they were a bit reluctant and probably were too late in that. They now look like they're going to give uh, Walker a two or three year contract till 2026 and that sort of shows just how valuable he is to, to City. Well, we'll leave it there. Hope you enjoyed that. It was quite good, that, wasn't it? Uh, guys, we'll be back uh, in Act 2 to discuss the battering of Fulham and a certain individual who's definitely caught our eye. We'll see you in a bit. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com.
Hello everybody, welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Before we get into Fulham, uh, well it's kind of, it's kind of comprised of the Fulham game, um, I wanted to just touch on Oscar Bob, because he gets me really excited. Uh, so interesting how we are just talking about previously about all the players that City had got rid of, yeah. got rid of and sent out on loan. They seemed very, very keen on keeping Oscar Bob yeah. around the place. And for City fans, Joe, maybe a lot of them don't really know about Oscar Bob. Um, I've watched him for a couple of years now and um, he's frighteningly good. And I thought at the weekend, there was a little phase of play where he's in the midfield. He took three or four players on and you just thought, okay, there's a real player here. Um, real balance. And you mentioned earlier Bernardo Silva being that perfect profile of a Pep Guardiola player. Yeah. Oscar Bob is exactly that, isn't he, at such a young age? Yeah, Bernardo's quite a good comparison. We, we literally said no, there's no player like Bernardo, but Bob is that sort of like, he's got the similar centre of gravity and he's very good with his feet and can just wiggle out of tight situations. And he's, he's won the Academy Player of the Year for two years in a row. And we've had players like Palmer, McAtee, Carlos Borges, Diremi Bude, all of these players who are scoring goals and goals and making the headlines. Bob's record is very good and he's sort of, the glue, if you like, at that number 10, keeping them all together and playing them in, or he might be the one playing that sort of pre-assist, if you like, the sending the fullback to the byline and then there's the cutback. And it's about time that he's, he's in the first team, I think, because it, it's another one where it shows that if you perform well in that academy, you will get your chance and you will get uh, noticed. And uh, I mean, City are proud of their academy record and they've made a hundred million pounds from the academy this year. Um, but they don't keep a player if they're not good enough. And they did it with Palmer and he was good last season. But as we've said, he wasn't, didn't always take his chance. And now it's, now it's Bob's turn, it seems. I, I spoke to Brian Barry Murphy, the, the under-21 manager, just about the season. And they've lost the majority of their goals from last season. The names I mentioned, Borges, Mabude, um, Bob, Shea Charles. A lot of experience has gone. But they're not expecting Bob to come back. I said, you know, if you're playing in the EFL Cup, if you've got, you know, any injuries, are you expecting to, to call upon Oscar Bob? And he said, no. And he said um, he doesn't think Bob would want to go anyway. And he, he said it's probably a bit healthy for the player to completely separate himself from the academy and become a first-team player. And uh, we've seen Cole Palmer drop down a couple of times. We've seen... Palmer played twice in a day a couple of seasons ago after making a Premier League appearance against Burnley. Then he went and played in the uh, in the PL2 against Leicester because he wanted to play football. But it sounds like that's not a policy anymore. It's, it didn't happen last season and it sounds very clearly like Oscar Bobby's a first-team player now. And uh, Yes, towards the end of the transfer window, they lost Palmer. McAtee persuaded City that he, he would be better going out on loan, but... They've, they've kept Bob and it was, a, it was a good cameo wasn't it against, against Fulham but if you've watched him you, you know that's what he's capable of and we saw him in pre-season he's not afraid to take on his men he's not afraid to put a cross in and uh, he'll have a shot as well and I think I'm quite looking forward to seeing what he can do off the bench and he's got to look at Palmer and think what did Palmer do well what did Palmer not do well last season he's probably got to be a bit more adventurous when he does come on and say I'm going to make my name here and I'm going to make Guardiola make a decision of putting me in. I always think with young players, Pep in particular, 
you don't expect them to big them up so much. And already you've got Lilo commenting yeah. on him post-match in the game, essentially saying that he's such an incredible young talent that that he needed to be in the first team. He needs to play. And I remember after the you know the the the, the, the games, the preseason friendlies as well. You know the exact same things were being said by Pep Guardiola. We've got so much expectation for him. It's a incredible incredible sort of indictment isn't it for him really yeah and if we've got all these these players moving on and deciding that they want to play elsewhere I think City are creating a lot of first team footballers but there is an acceptance that it's going to be very hard to be a City first team footballer and I mean Cole Palmer made 40 odd appearances and he's thought it's time to leave so it's it's one thing getting in the team it's another thing staying there and then it's he's got to do the next step but there's players like Rico Lewis, there's players, Phil Foden's obviously the, the shining example where it can be done and Bob will be hoping to do a little bit more successfully than uh, Cole Palmer. I don't think we've ever had breaking news on the pod, Joe, uh, but it sounds like Kyle Walker has just signed uh, a new contract, uh, extension till 2026. We were just speaking about him earlier. Vitally important and we are just giving him glowing plaudits weren't we but it's fantastic news on a Monday morning to hear that I mean it just seems everything's good at the minute doesn't it everything's free-flowing with City and this this is the cherry on the, the ice cream of the weekend really isn't it yeah I mean this, the first story of the summer was Walker is going to join Bayern Munich and it was going, dragging on and then they played Bayern Munich and he's having jokes with the Bayern players in the tunnel and you know all the sort of the presses the the German press in particular are making a lot of noises about that and I think yeah as we as we touched upon that's probably going to be one of the most important signings of of the summer now for City and it gives them another couple of years now to find the next right back we thought it'd be Giao Cancelo doesn't look like it now it could be Rico Lewis it may be the reason of keeping Walker for so long into his 30s is to give Rico Lewis time to become that sort of number two different player but he is a right back or they want to go to the market and find another one in the future but if you've got Walker till 36 his body doesn't look like it's going to slow down anytime soon he's still going to do those bursting runs when I, I think it's yeah a great bit of business still reckons he's the quickest doesn't he I don't think that's going to Jeremy Doku been about yeah. I think that's going to be a real contest isn't it um 5-1 at the weekend uh no Jack Grealish, obviously no Kevin De Bruyne. It was the Erling Haaland show, really, wasn't it? Controversial Ake goal, but we'll put that to one side. Um, three hat-trick heroes at the weekend. Can you name them? Son, Ferguson and Haaland. Well done. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, Haaland, once again, I mean, I think Lilo said he was just born to score goals, and it's just got to a point now where it's like, you take him for granted, don't you? But it's like what this guy does week in, week out. It's just phenomenal. I mean, he's, you can't say anything more about him, really, can you? It's just one of those where he's done it again. And I think the three very typical Haaland goals, a penalty, yeah, we know he scores. I mean, missed one last weekend. He's hit it as well as he did against Sheffield United, but it's gone in. I think it just shows that the Sheffield United one was a one-off. But the character for him to step up again and... He was never missing that penalty, was he? Uh, I think Lillo said afterwards he would have taken another one at Sheffield United if, if it had come along. Um, I mean, the first one, yes, he gets a little bit of luck with a through ball, but he's always there. He's always just he's forcing those mistakes, isn't he? And then the finish, never going to miss. Uh, and the third one, right in the middle of injury time, Fulham are probably just waiting to get off the pitch. And uh, there's a little look from Sergio Gomez when he gets through. And Fantastic. Very, very good, very yeah. Good. Um, 
and he just looks a little bit behind Haaland and Haaland knows exactly where to be whether they've worked on that in training but um, it's that movement from Haaland to always be alive and he takes just a couple of steps away from his defender he comes back to have the shot on goal and yeah you, you can't stop him when he's in that mood and I think it was another game where he didn't do a lot <laughs> as we always say this with Haaland he doesn't do a lot in games Is that just a general thing now? Do you think that's just a general thing? It must be mustn't it like yeah, he just doesn't. He just doesn't do a lot. But when the chance is there, well, his build-up play has got a lot better. He's coming more involved, and I think he's a lot better with Foden and Haaland, uh, Foden and Alvarez. Sorry, behind him. Um, but even on a quiet day, you can't count him off because he's always there. And he's doing it without Kev as well. This is it. Yeah, um, I think Kovacic is doing quite well in that that role. He he, he did another sort of pre-assist, as we say, to to play in Haaland for that. Um, for the first one for Alvarez, I'm not sure if it was a, a shot or a cross, but uh, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. If him and Alvarez can keep keep improving that relationship, which was already quite quite good already, um, that can be quite dangerous as well. And then Phil Foden in that number ten role, also. So if you've got two good attacking wing attacking forwards behind Haaland, that just gives the defence another thing to think about and Haaland will always move until the very last minute. So I, I think it's a nightmare to defend against City when they're in that mood. Yeah, because they were always talking, it was always a big thing last year was how do you stop Kevin De Bruyne? Because De Bruyne obviously had that moment of magic where he can just end the game left foot, right foot, such a pure striker of the ball, but also it was that assist to Haaland, wasn't it? And that was being made a huge thing. But now it's, it, you're looking at Haaland and there's, there's even more development with him because it's like, doesn't need Kev, doesn't need Kevin De Bruyne on the pitch to still produce, and that's massive indictment to him again, isn't it? I think a lot of it is the formation. I think Foden said he feels alive in that role that he played against um, against Newcastle. He was a bit more wide in this game because Grealish wasn't there and Doku was in the team as well. Um, but if you've got Alvarez playing so close, Alvarez is pulling defenders all over the place as well. If Foden's in there, he's doing exactly the same. It just works well, and it's just if you've got all of the things happening, all of that movement in that central area, you don't need a spectacular De Bruyne pass because before long you're going to make those chances. And City weren't great in the first half; they were very lucky to go in ahead. They, I mean, they went ahead and then conceded a minute later, and then a goal that shouldn't have stood yeah, sure. went in their favour. Um, it's quite refreshing that everyone's just in agreement with that. <laughs> yeah, even that City, even City fans are just saying, "Yeah, do you know what?" We got away with one there. Haaland said the same thing. Um, but they could have... I don't know, Fulham could have come out and used that to galvanise them, but City just came out in that second half. A word from Lillo, a word from Guardiola, it seems. And they came out and they were just ruthless and that's, that's what City do. And they didn't play that well, it seems, against Fulham. Um, but they won 5-1 in the top of the league and they've got a perfect start and that's what, that's what champions do, isn't it? Do you think they've played well this season by City standards? I'm not sure they have. Probably not, but they rarely do at the start of the season. Um, it's interesting to hear Walker say that he sat his team down and said, let's go and make a good start because we always make a slow start and then have to catch up. And that's all well and good, but let's go and attack the, the league this season and make it, make it not a title race. So um, I think I was watching the Arsenal game and Declan Rice came out afterwards and said it was a must win because we would have gone five points behind City if they'd lost, like even Arsenal know. Yes, they're two points behind now, but they know that if they slip up, City are just going to win and win and win. So if City aren't playing well and they're still winning and they've got players to come back, 
like Grealish wasn't playing Bernardo's been in and out of the team because he's been ill and now he's had a baby and uh, they've lost all these key players De Bruyne can come back it's 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 pretty dangerous for the rest of the team and you've got all the new players who will only get better with time yeah exactly I think uh, as we mentioned previously I thought Doku looked pretty sharp as well which was good to see but overall I think you know it's exactly like you've just said it's this slow start which City are always pending as having which is true let's be honest it's, it's been true for, for a number of years now and Guardiola's alluded to it as well but you know the treble win last season was obviously something completely unique but something that's also unique is a very very fast Man City start when they're playing in third gear in my, in my opinion I don't think they've been able to fall the third gear or fourth fifth where we know they're just they're just unplayable um, it's got to be exciting for City fans hasn't it because it's like, where does it... I mean, you're looking at the fixtures even after the break and you're like, where does this... Where does this end? And the psychology, like you just said, Joe, is so different now because it's like City are the ones being hunted yeah. and normally they're the hunters, aren't they, at this stage of the season? Yeah, and I mean, they've not played at their very best, but they've won the Super Cup. They were a couple of penalty kicks away from winning the, the Community Shield and now they've won four in a row and I, I just think... Winning is ingrained in that team now, and they know what to do. And uh, there might have been a little bit of sort of unsureness, or I don't know what, what the word is. Like, um, I don't know. The, the fans might not have been completely behind it because how do you go again after winning the treble? It's true, though, isn't yeah. It? yeah, I mean, Guardiola said it last year. How do you go again after winning two in a row? So now, after getting the highest of the highs, how how do you do? How do you just motivate yourself? But, but, I know, I know. Well, I think I think um, Phil Foden said that him and Grealish sat down after all the party and died down and said, "How do we get back to this this feeling?" And they decided the quadruple. That's the only way to do it. And Walker's decided that winning the Premier League in a better way than they have done is that way. And uh, that's dangerous, I think, as well. If if City are trying to trying to look at ways to get even better than winning the treble. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Uh, guys, we're going to leave it there. We're going to talk more about this uh, in Act 3. We'll see you in a bit. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Let's get back onto what we were just talking about because it's very exciting. But Man City, obviously, um, so far, we're, we're in the international break now. We've kind of discussed it a little bit, but that motivation is such an interesting topic because like you were just saying there, Grealish and, and Foden almost sat down and it's like, where do we get better here? And it feels like with Guardiola, and the, the centenary season was obviously like a massive thing, but you could just see that grin on his face when they went down to Southampton, won yeah. 1-0 when Jesus scored and all this sort of stuff. But it's that you do feel that he's ingrained in this side, not just titles, but even just point tallies. You know, all these like micro details that we would all probably sit back and go, it doesn't matter, but it matters to this team, doesn't it? And that's ingrained from the top down. Yeah, and you've got the players who have been there and won it all. The fact that they're wanting to to win again. It's not the new players coming in saying, I want to win the Premier League for the first time, or I want to have that feeling that I saw the players celebrating on the treble parade. It's the players like Grealish and Foden and, and Walker saying we want to win again and we want to win better. Um, and I think Guardiola had to do a lot last season in public and in private to say 
you need to keep up that motivation yourself. He he did that big rant after the Tottenham game and challenged every single person at the club from the people above him to the fans, to the players, to the staff to demand more because you need that sort of expectation for City to, to win and to to play at the best of their ability. So the fact that they've now taken that upon themselves, Guardiola's not been there for two weeks and they've won two, two games that, let's be face it, easy on paper but quite tricky Bramall Lane is, was a very sort of fierce atmosphere and wasn't easy for City Fulham I don't think any team sort of threatened City and made them struggle as much as Fulham did last season um, and they put five past them and yeah it was a different Fulham side but it was still one of them that City made real hard work of beating Fulham at the Etihad last season and now they beat them 5-1 so um, just those sort of little sort of incremental improvements is I think something that City will look at and then they always say you can't win a league at the start of the year you can't you can't win a title but you can set the sort of foundations in, in place and uh, I think they'll look at the Champions League draw and they'll be quite happy with the three teams they've drawn and that will give them just a bit more time to sort of reacclimatise to, to Europe and they should navigate that fairly fairly quickly the sort of the new signings can bed in and sort of learn the expectations of what it means to be a city European champion now and uh, I think it's all sort of fallen into place a bit when maybe a couple of weeks ago we might have been a little bit negative just for just for that exact same reason how do you follow a treble winning campaign also for me you need you know on the pitch you're going to lose quality obviously you've lost Gundogan Mares, um players of that ilk but also maybe you need to regenerate the squad in terms of a mentality as well because if these players have done it before and don't get me wrong that step up the quadruple is obviously something where it's like oh we've not done that yet and at this point tally we've not done this yet we've not you know all these like little milestones they can reach but I think you need a flux of new players to come in to be able to be like oh well I want to get what they did last season I want to do that I want to you know, I want this amount of assists, I want this amount of goals. And then you also get players like, you know, we've, we've, we've mentioned Julian Alvarez and Phil Foden, who maybe didn't get the minutes that they wanted last season. And now they're thinking, oh, hold on, I've got a point to prove here. I, I want to play X amount of games. And they're huge factors in, in winning the same amount and more. I think Guardiola said something buried in an answer just before he had his surgery. He said, whatever happens with the transfer window, we'll, we'll go with the players who are here and who are happy to be here. And they've got rid of players like Cancelo, Mares, Laporte, who weren't playing as much at the end of last season. They weren't in the, the sort of starting 11s that won the Cup, that won the Champions League. They've gone now because maybe their mentality or their sort of their view on things would have been a bit different. And like you say, they've got these players who all of them have come in and said, we've seen what they did by winning the treble we want to be part of that and we want to we want to win as well so um, yeah maybe that's part of it as well that, that mentality and bringing those players in with that that hunger as well So if I'm to push you just to end the pod what would you give the transfer window out of 10? I think considering they've lost so many key players and experienced players to keep the same size of the squad with all the money that's gone involved they're not spent that much when it's when you're taking all the uh, the incomings I think it's probably a, a seven I don't think it's the best window they've had because they're not sort of like an Erling Haaland type signing who you know is going to hit the ground straight away but you can see Kovacic as we say looks like he's been playing for years Cavadio looks like he's going to be 
a mainstay for years to come. Doku and Nunes are interesting, and I think time will tell, but um, the squad is the same size as it was. There's enough competition in each each position, and yeah, I think I think they'll be happy considering it was a, maybe a bit more of a, re- a reactive window than a proactive one. Mm. Yeah, I'd probably give it maybe a 7.5 only on the basis that you look at Doku and you look at Gavardo and you think potential. Yeah. Just the potential is just ridiculous and I, I can't really, but I'm throwing Oscar Bob in there as a potential new signing really. That's the feeling. Just it just almost the synergy and the cohesion of the group is going to be really interesting and yeah, it seems like they've done, the balance I think is really good in terms of the loans that have gone out and, and the, I mean the, the money they've made through the academy is... Second to none, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but guys, I hope you enjoyed that. A little bit of a synopsis on the transfer window. And yeah, the season so far has been pretty decent. One city absolutely flying. We're going to be back after the international break with more and more pods. But before that, on Friday, we do have a podcast. Um, so do make sure that you're checking for that one. It's going to be me and Simon. So you've been replaced <laughs> for this one. Apologies. Benched. Yeah, benched. <laughs> Um, but guys thank you so much make sure you're checking out the Manchester Evening News uh, consistently we're across all socials um, leave us a five star rating if you would on Apple Spotify any of your favourite podcast providers make sure if you're watching us in visual colour shout out to you Dan Murphy uh, make sure that you're liking commenting and subscribing and we'll see you in a bit cheers <laughs>